go into it midweek markout style? Oh, I'm already recording. <laughs> there you go. It's the uh, it's the midweek markout style intro. How you doing today? Well, first of all, I guess we should say we are Bam, Boris, and Matt. I am Matt. He's Boris. Bonjour, as it were. Uh, how you feeling today, buddy? I want to die. Ah. <laughs> oh. Oh, buddy, you'll 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 uh, hang in there, man. OK, so as your friend, I think your biggest mistake was leaving your home yesterday. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Like yesterday was such a fever dream. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't even drink a lot, but this cold <laughs> has kicked my ass like there's no tomorrow. I think, uh, and you're like, you've, you've, you're like, not, it's not uh, the dreaded COVID. It, you said it's like a, a changing of the season, like kind of allergy, kind of just a generic, yeah. you were out in yeah. bad weather, cold. Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. But uh, and anyway, so like, I think any amount of alcohol in that situation is too much alcohol, probably. But hey, maybe you kill it with vodka. I don't know how it works. But uh, hey, hey, man, you uh, you went out to see your Dodgers, and they uh, they pulled it out for you at least, buddy. At the very least, and I was it was so frustrating because the one run that uh, the Cardinals got was off of a horrible throw, and I was just so frustrated. Man, I gotta tell you this though, the motivation in me going out was the fact that I could be the biggest heel. In the place, and I loved every <laughs> second of it. <laughs> That's so funny. That is absolutely hilarious, man. And then that healing, that heal persona will actually heal you inside. I know it'll probably sustain you for months to come. Oh, you have no idea. Yeah, no, you know, here's the thing I still sound a lot worse than I feel. Today's been just an absolute shit show of a day between work, between technical issues, between computer issues. You should see my effing apartment. These people just fixed everything, but it is an absolute mess right now. Like, dude, I have like it's frustrating right now, but. Yeah, man, I feel, well, yeah, not to tell your story, but I feel so bad for you because you're the busiest guy I know or one of the busiest people I know anyway. Plus, your apartment is, like, flooded and they're fixing it. Plus, you're sick and you have to, we, we just have a lot, we have a lot going on here in BAM. We're watching all these wrestling shows and, man, you have so much on your plate. You definitely need a, need a second to rest, Tommy. So we appreciate you doing this. And, yeah, we apologize to the listeners for the technical difficulties because our internet's shitting out and Boris's apartment is literally underwater right now. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, and well, not underwater anymore, but it's all covered in dust and shit. And, uh, yeah, this is the ultimate R-rated BAM, uh, the worst produced episode. But here we are. And I do want to thank everyone for listening, as always. I really do appreciate it. I do apologize. But you know what? Sometimes we just got to do and make do with what we have. Yeah, man, got to do what you got to do. But hey, man, we're still we're still in the batter's box taking swings, much like your L.A. Dodgers did in the bottom of the ninth, walking it off to officially make the playoffs. Uh, I guess they officially made the playoffs in the wildcard game. But this is the, the real playoffs in the MLB. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, I love the fact that the wildcard games are part of the playoffs, but you're not in the playoffs until you're in the divisional series. That That's how I see it. 
to be 100% honest. You know, it's kind of like the makeshift uh, play-in that they did last year. Yeah, hundred thousand uh, percent. And uh, I, I like I like the the wild card game too. But yeah, this is the meat and potatoes of the playoffs. So I think like let's quickly go through the playoffs, give the official BAM picks for the World Series, and uh, maybe briefly talk a little hockey or football before we get into the the G one climax thirty one here on BAM. But okay, so yeah, let's just start right away. ALDS Boris White Sox versus Astros. Who do you like there? I'm going to have to say the White Sox. They're going to sweep the Astros. Look, I'm not a fan of the Astros. I will never, ever forget 2017. F the Astros. F anyone who still supports them. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, doesn't matter. The White Sox are the better team. Yeah, I think they're the better team. and I I definitely am on the uh, the fuck the Astros. Astros bandwagon as well. Uh, I'm going to say four games there, though. Chicago White Sox over the Astros. The other ALDS game is my most hated franchise, and uh, hopefully yours, the Red Sox versus the Tampa Bay, formerly Devil Rays. Who do you like there? It's funny that you say that. So my most hated franchise in all of baseball is the team in another series. But we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm going to have to say the Rays. Look. Red Sox barely made it in. Yeah, they humiliated the Yankees in the wild card game, and I loved every second of that. But <laughs> the Rays are just so effing good, and it pains me to death that they cannot sell a ticket to those games. Uh, I, it sucks. Hopefully uh, Tampa's losses, Montreal's gain one of these years here down the road. But, yeah, you're right. That's uh, It's not the best. But, uh, yeah, I think Tampa's going to win. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Tampa's going to sweep them. Uh, yeah, the Red Sox have a terrible bullpen, and they backed into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to do any damage. Uh, Tampa over Red Sox in three games. Yeah, I agree. They're going to they're gonna get swept, the Sox, that is. Um, yeah. As much as I would love to have a Sox CS, I still think that it's gonna, the Rays are, gonna, are just going to humiliate the Red Sox. I didn't even think of that. White Sox versus Red Sox. That would be fun. But that's not going to happen yet. So in in that event, the ALCS, White Sox versus Tampa, who do you who do you got? The Rays, man, honestly. Like, the White Sox, I know they're fantastic. They're good. But the Rays are the Rays. They just, they can, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to win the American League. How many games would you say? I would have to say six games. Tampa and six. Yeah, I'm going to go White Sox and seven. I think it's going to be a very long competitive series. There's two really, really good baseball teams. I think the White Sox maybe are a little more complete, but maybe it's just that they, they have more stars, you know, more like fantasy relevant players. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, yeah, to me, I think the White Sox are the better team and I think they're going to win in seven games and come out of the AL. So let's go. Let's go right into your boys, Boris Dodgers uh, versus Giants. Who you got? In the National League. Here's the thing. The Giants are my most hated team in all of baseball. Maybe all of sports. Um, I just cannot stand them. F the Giants. (laughs) F the Giants. I cannot say that anymore. But I'm going to honestly have to say that I think the Dodgers are going to win. They're going to find a way to win. They're going to, you know, look, if anything out of yesterday – they have the momentum. 
and that's the biggest thing in sports. Um, you know, they showed me that they can come back. They showed me that they are, they do have fight, and that's something I didn't see too much from them this season. I uh, often, sometimes when I saw their games this year, you know, it was once we're down, it's over, we're done. But when it come, when push comes to shove, they did it last night, and they have the momentum. So I'm gonna have to say Dodgers in seven. Dodgers in seven, man. You know what? Uh, well, I'm oh, sorry. It's a uh, it's best three out of five in. The, yes, <laughs> you're grogging yeah. over me. It's best three out of five in that one. But yeah, Dodgers, so Dodgers in five. five. Yeah. Uh, you know what though? I think I think you might have. Uh, I think you might have sold me. I think you might have convinced me. I think Dodgers in five is the pick there. I I do. As much as the loss of Kershaw will hurt them, and as much as the loss of Max Muncie will hurt them, man, that team is so stacked. That team is. They have. They've added Scherzer and Trey Turner at the deadline. Like they can. They can. Uh, overcome those losses so i yeah. agree with you dodgers and five the other nlds braves and brewers the atlanta braves and the milwaukee brewers who you got homie Ooh, that's a tough one but i'm gonna have to go with the brewers look the nl east is the weakest division in the grand scheme of things um so i'm sorry i'm sorry sean but the brewers are gonna win <laughs> that's funny i'm gonna go with the uh the atlanta braves you're right about the division but i just i like you know it's again maybe i'm being uh being lured by the fantasy relevant players but i love the young names on the braves uh roster and you know i think they're gonna correct some of the playoff juju so we have uh we both have the dodgers in you have dodgers brewers i have dodgers braves who you like coming out of the nl I'm going to have to say Dodgers. And it's like, you know, all of my love for the Dodgers aside, they're just such a strong team. The Dodgers are going to win the NL, and we're going to get a repeat of the 2020 finals. There you go. Yeah. And you called it. Yeah. You did say Rays. So you have Dodgers, Rays, World Series. I'm going to say the Dodgers will win the NL. I think they'll beat the Braves. I'm going to say five games for that. The Dodgers kind of handle the Braves and we get a Dodgers versus White Sox World Series. So who do you got in the World Series, homie? All right. Between the Rays and the Dodgers, I love the Dodgers. I really do. But I think the Rays are absolutely unstoppable. So I'm going to have to say Rays. In seven, raise in seven. Very interesting pick. That's that. That's uh, that's crazy. That you're gonna ride uh, L.A. hard and then bail on your team in the World Series. But I understand. Like Tampa is a very good uh, baseball team, man. We we cheer for the Jays. We follow the AL East closely. We know how good Tampa's been all year. Uh, I'm gonna say the Dodgers are gonna repeat, homie. I think the Dodgers are gonna win the World Series in six games over the Chicago White Sox this year and be repeat champions. That team is just it's just too nice. It's just too loaded. I know they are. They they are loaded, but like there's just something about the Rays that just you can you need to pay attention to them. Like I you can't ignore how good the Rays are. Same with the Dodgers, right? Like Dodgers are like look 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 at their lineup. That's an all-star team lineup. <laughs> 
It's absolutely filthy. <laughs> it's completely mental. You're right, man. And it's like we said, like they lost Max Muncie and Kershaw, yes, but they've added from last year's winning team two like of the best players in baseball to just fill in so nicely for the for the absence in the infield and the absence on the pitching staff. So they're gonna be okay. They still have Walker Bueller. They still have a, an incredible lineup. Justin Turner still smacks playoff home runs like it's his job, which of course it is. So yeah, man. Uh, I think the Dodgers have got it, and but the Rays are really good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, the three teams that we called for the finals, I can see any combination of those three. Basically, Dodgers, White Sox, or Rays. That's who I think like legit are going to be in the finals. Um, but I honestly think the American League is going to take it this year. Not to bail on my Dodgers, but those two teams are just so good, so good. So stacked of, like, just raw talent. Not just fantasy names. Just raw talent. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. You're 100% right. Especially, like, Tampa in that regard. Like, sneaky, talented players. Players who just play great, fundamental baseball. Great defensively. Speedy team. Just, yeah. they uh, Tampa is a complete baseball team. It'll yeah. be fun, man. The baseball playoffs are so great. They're so entertaining. Dude, it, look at look at the past two games. Look at the past two nights. Those two wild card games were absolutely phenomenal to watch, mainly because they the like there's nothing better in baseball. There's two things in baseball that I love to see: the Dodgers win anything, and the Yankees lose everything. <laughs> ah, that's harsh. I actually much prefer the Yankees to the Red Sox, like significantly. I kind of have a soft spot for the Yankees. My uncle used to cheer for the Yankees. He passed away like ten years ago going now but yeah he's he's a good man big yankees fan so i kind of have a soft spot for the yankees for that reason and uh yeah i, I have no soft spot for boston for any reason <laughs> i love that so much so funny it's <laughs> hilarious how heated those two teams are oh man especially around these parts boris but yeah just generally among baseball fans unless you are a yankees fan or a red sox fan they're the least favorite team one of those two teams probably yeah or like like in your in your case a, a serious rival like the giants obviously would supersede that but they're in the top three you know yeah that's exactly it. like and here's the thing it's funny because like maybe because the dodgers had really lean years between 88 and like let's say you know, early 2000s when they got good again. Um, people just ignored them for the longest time. Uh, but, you know, the hate that the Yankees and the Sox get is nothing compared, nothing compared to any hate the Dodgers could get. Uh, well, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But, uh, man, the baseball fans are, yeah, it's... It's a uh, much like the NXT audience, Boris. It skews old and passionate. A hundred percent. It's funny, but yeah, no, honestly, like there's nothing better than October baseball. I'm so excited to watch. Uh, hell, it starts later. I, I can't wait to watch. I'm going to record with Dan DeMouth later, and then I'm gonna have a tea and go right to bed and watch some baseball. Out of boy, and yeah, get a nice, uh, a cold autumn sleep here uh, in your 
in your uh, dank, wet apartment. Now, hopefully it's dried out by now. But yeah, so we, we can't dilly-dally too long, but I do want to brag about one thing. I pulled off the, the great fantasy heist. It wasn't a heist also. I feel like I, I made a fair trade, but I was already in first place in my fantasy league, Boris, and I traded for Christian McCaffrey. I got Christian McCaffrey on board. I cannot believe. When you sent me that, I'm like, well, how did you pull this off? <laughs> so the quick story is I'm... I'm three and one. I'm playing a team who's 0 and four, and they drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall. So they have McCaffrey and not much else. Their quarterbacks were uh, Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger. Again, this is a 16 person league, right? So they didn't have a tight end, and their quarterbacks were shit, and all they had was McCaffrey, and he's injured. So I offered Sam Darnold, who was my bench quarterback, Kyle Pitts who is Atlanta's tight end, who was super uh, hyped up coming into the season. He's a rookie. But the thing is, Matt Ryan, he's kind of looking pretty bad, right? So I I, got, I grabbed Buffalo's tight end, Dawson Knox, off of the free agent list anyways. So Sam Darnold, Kyle Pitts, and Philadelphia running back. Uh, uh, who's their re- rookie running back again? I forget now off the top of my head. Anyway, I traded uh, those three pieces, and I actually, she, uh, she accepted the deal, and I got... Uh, Christian McCaffrey on board. So, Boris, I think I'm looking at a fantasy title here, buddy. Uh, Stranger things have happened than this team falling apart. But Kyler Murray, Aaron Jones, and Christian McCaffrey in a 16-team league should be enough, knock on wood, for the gold. Yeah, dude. It's it's crazy. Your team is so stacked. It's insane. If you don't win, I will laugh at you. <laughs> It'll be worthy of uh, of laughter. No, this is the best team I've ever had in this league, and and I think the trade made sense for her too because she's 0 four. She needed a quarterback. She needed a tight end, and Christian McCaffrey wasn't doing anything for her on the bench. Now he's probably going to play this week, so uh, you you know, but whatever. She's also an Eagles fan, so I threw the Eagles player. I don't. Know, I think it. I think it'll work out for both sides. I wasn't trying to you know heist her. But uh, I did get the number one overall pick in fantasy added exactly. to the number one overall team. But anyway, that's enough about self-indulgent fantasy talk. I just wanted to brag about that in public. Exactly. It's all good. That's what this show is all about. So while we're talking about that, we should talk about the week that was and that week that will be. Uh, yeah, man. So we had lots uh Lots of fun stuff. I was definitely surprised by Kyler Murray continuing to just absolutely crank. Just absolutely do his thing. Yeah. There's two games specifically that surprised me. Number one, the Jets. Mm, the J-E-T-S, Jet, Jet, Jets football squad. That was a huge upset for sure. And, uh, you know, getting it done uh, defensively a little bit. They're getting some sacks in yeah. New York. They are. They're surprising me a lot. Um, and then the other game I want to really talk about was the Monday Nighter Rams. Raiders who saw that who's who who saw that win coming for the Rams uh Chargers Chargers sorry Chargers yeah I you know I I was I was thinking maybe the Raiders weren't quite for real uh but that was a that was a pretty serious thumping like the Chargers seemed to prove that they were strongly the better team there I think there's two other games we I was already touching on it but one more shout out to Kyler Murray right now Four weeks into the season, there's your MVP, Kyler Murray, currently of the National Football League. Also, Boris, we have to talk the Brady versus Belichick Bowl for a second. Yeah, like I said, it was what it was. Look, the game was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be an absolute thumping for Tampa. 
uh, but the game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And you know what I loved the most about it? The fact that Brady didn't, eat, like, he wasn't involved in the end. It wasn't a Brady-Dusty finish. Huh. That's funny. What I love the most about it was Belichick absolutely dissing him with a fake hug at the end of the game. But apparently Bill Belichick went into the Tampa locker room and spoke to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers directly. So that's pretty crazy and a huge respectful gesture. So, uh, you know, but yeah, as, as Miami Dolphins fans, I think we both wanted this entire game to be hit by lightning. Yep, 100%. Um, there's another game that we should talk about. Uh, how? Did the Texans score nothing? <laughs> well, well, you see, Boris, they're bad at football. No, but yeah, <laughs> forty to nothing, Buffalo over Houston with Davis Mills. And Tony Kornheiser had a great line on PTI when he said, "Davis Mills, that's not a quarterback, that's an outlet mall." That's so true. I I, I love that line as well. But yeah, like. <laughs> The Bills are good, but they're not that good. The Texans are bad, and they're that bad. That's the issue right there. Yeah, I think you're right. That's more commentary on the Texans, more an indictment on the Texans than it is on the Buffalo Bills. Although, don't get it twisted, buddy. Right now, Buffalo looks like the best team in the AFC. They really do. They, they look they, really good. Yeah, they, they re- in my opinion, they have the they have the Lex Luger total package right now. Like, it's crazy. Both offense and defense, when they click, they click. And as like I said, as bad as the Texans are, everything just worked out for the Bills, and they just looked amazing on Sunday. It was crazy how good they looked. Yeah, one thousand percent, man. They just forty to nothing. You can't argue with those results. So yeah, coming up week five, we have our first London game, and it's a terrible stinker of a game. Jets versus Falcons, gross. But that's nine thirty a.m. Eastern uh, Sunday morning from London. Uh, the game tonight, the Thursday nighter, is Rams at Seahawks. That's a good one. Yeah, that that's that. You know, I'm surprised because usually the Thursday game is a sleeper. Like, usually a Thursday yeah. game is like, you know, Dolphins versus, you know, Bears or something stupid like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't you love how it just completely, uh, fucking Dolphins. Anyways, but, you know, but so, so I'm kind of, it's kind of funny that the London game is two teams who have no business in being highlighted for the NFL. Yeah, really a terrible idea. A bad look for the fans of London to have to watch those two terrible teams. But hey, uh, football is football, I suppose. Uh, Yeah, the game I'm personally most excited for, other than Tom Brady absolutely destroying the Dolphins, although the Dolphins have always played Brady tough. You never know. But uh, yeah, we're going to see Bills at Chiefs on on Sunday night, 8.20 p.m. That's going to be an awesome game. Who do you Uh, got? That that could be uh, the the proverbial AFC title preview. Yep. Who do you got? Oof. I think just because the Chiefs have been losing, like the Chiefs needed to kind of go back to 500, I believe they're two and three, right? So I think the Chiefs will pull it off. I, like you said, there, there's a little bit of fool's gold here in Buffalo. I don't think they're quite as good as like 40 to nothing over everyone, you know? Yeah. I, I, I agree, and the Chiefs right now have something to prove. Like, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where the Chiefs, you know what, we haven't seen them in this position, so now that they're, you know, they're there with their back against the wall, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they end up pulling off. 
Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm excited. Sports are sports and hard right now, buddy. It's the best time of the year. It really is. We have NHL starting next week. We have the NBA starting in a few weeks. NFL is getting into the meat and potatoes. We have the baseball playoffs happening, and every week we have wrestling. Yes, sir. So speaking of that wrestling, let's get right into it, man. Do you want to? Uh, did you watch Ring of Honor? You want to give your weekly ROH report? Yeah, so the Ring of Honor show was interesting this week. It was a very meh week, to say the least. Um, Hold on, I'm just bringing up my notes. But here's the thing about ROH. They're working towards Final Battle right now. And I it, it's, it, it tends to be probably, you know, one of their biggest shows of the year, if not their biggest show of the year. So I get where they're going with things. But in a syndicated one-hour show, sometimes their TV is a bit of a snoozer, and this week it was a snoozer. Um, the matches were good. Uh, again, only two matches, but it is what it is. Um, there was an eight-man tag that uh, main evented, and then there was a tag team match earlier. So let's start with the tag team match. It was the Briscoes versus Alex Zane and Taylor Rust. Interesting match. Yeah, Alex Zane is a name who I haven't seen enough of, but, man, he's got some tremendous buzz. And uh, Taylor Rust, our boy, former NXT flame. Yep, exactly. But here, here's why this matchup was kind of weird for me. You have the Briscoes who are trying to, like, you know, regain momentum. They lost momentum when they lost against F and Taven and F and Bennett. So I don't understand. I don't understand that loss. But here they are regaining momentum. And then you have Alex Zane, who won the worst battle royal known to man in the last pay-per-view to gain a title shot. And he loses this week with Taylor Rust. Like, I don't know. Why? Why give this guy a title shot when he's a curtain jerker at best? Well, maybe they just need uh, someone to lose a title defense. But yeah, I feel you. That's uh, that's puzzling. Puzzling to say the least. Yeah, like I don't get it. Anyways, Briscoe's won. Um, and then the and, and yeah, okay, look, Zane didn't take the he didn't eat the pin as they say in wrestling it was rust who ate the pin um but still the fact that he was a part of the losing team just made no sense and he like like the commentators made a point of saying he has a title shot so for me this match made no sense it was an okay match but i'm gonna have to go mendoza line just because of the booking and the overall optics of everything. So I'm going to give this two and a half handshakes, two and a half honor codes out of five. Nice, nice. So Mendoza line kind of match. I feel you. That makes a lot of sense. And you, like you said, man, they can't all be winners. Sometimes you're going to have a little snooze fest episode or match in there, here or there. Yep. All right. After this, uh, we had a interview with the new women's champion, Roxy. Dude, she is phenomenal. She is amazing. This is what Cora Jade should be. Ha! 
interesting. Well, I mean, that's like, you, we can't all be Connor McDavid. We can't all be Wayne Gretzky, buddy. But I feel you. If that's, if that's her, uh, her peer in the industry, yeah, she's, she's got a long way to go. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, we're talking about wrestling where you, you are put in front and, you know, you're essentially built to be something. Um, Roxy is just phenomenal. Not only is she a great talent, but she has just natural charisma. Um, and, and, and anyways, she had an interview and they really set up a, a fun little, uh, angle here. Uh, the allure came out, uh, Mandy Leon, Angela Love, they talked crap about Roxy. And it was one line, which was a little racy for uh, Ring of Honor, was they said the C in her name stands for a word that can't be said on regular TV. Oh, boy, that is that is the raciest thing I've heard from Ring of Honor in some time. Yeah. Anyways, this prompted Miranda Alize, Trish Shadora, Willow, Allison Kay, and Maria Kanellis all to come out and essentially... They set up a a mini, uh, well, two three-way matches that's going to lead to a number one contenders match against Roxy at Final Battle. Nice. Well, that's, that's an interesting little build, and I'm glad that Roxy's shining on the microphone to some extent. Yeah, like she's not the best, but, you know, she's not the worst. Um, all right, and then the main event was Violence Unlimited uh, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, Homicide, Tony Deppin against Dan Helson, Demonic Flamita, PCO, and Sledge. All right, so this match was essentially the Brody King show. Clearly, Brody King is going to be the guy that goes up against Bandito at Final Battle. So this match was essentially Brody King's exhibition, and that's exactly what it was. Um, and it was, it was it was an okay match. Um, it didn't go too long. It only it went 15 minutes. So in terms of Ring of Honor time, it did go long. But with commercials, ah, these commercials are killing my mojo for this show sometimes. But it was still a fun match. Um, is it like is it a must watch? No. But you know, this entire show, like I think the women's uh, segment was probably the best thing on it anyways violence unlimited one brody king got the one with the pin after a gonzo bomb um and off of sledge and yeah like it, it was what it was but like i said it's all brody king it's the road to final battle brody king versus bandito we have roxy and then we have the women's little eliminator tournament thingy that they got going on um so we'll see what happens Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, just a show to move the train along the tracks, yeah. I guess, on the way to final battle. But yeah, he's got to be done sometimes. You exactly. Know? Like, um, no, no hate towards ROH on this show. It was what it was. We're moving the truck. We're moving the 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 the, the proverbial line towards final battle, and that's fine. But yeah, it is what it is. So the main event, I would have to also Mendoza line it. Two and a half handshakes, two and a half uh, honor codes out of five. Fair enough, brother. I mean, yeah, that uh, it sounds like an average kind of wrestling show. All right. With that said, let us move 
to New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax. Matt, we watched four shows. I actually watched today's show just before we started recording. Interesting show, but let's talk about that in a little bit. So what are we going to be talking about today? Yes, we're going to be covering night eight, night nine, night 10 and night 11 of the new japan climax 31 and uh we're also gonna we're at the end of the uh segment we're gonna give you the current standings and we're gonna give you the top 10 matches so far uh and if you want to see like more details every single match of the g1 rated you can check out my coverage at sportsfap.com where i'm uh, writing about it every day and or whenever i can catch up to the shows all right, so let's get right into it, buddy. Night eight of the G1 Climax. It was October 1st, 2021. Started with Jeff Cobb versus Tamatonga. Shockingly good match. Really strong opener. Very good performance from two guys who are having awesome tournaments. And as I said, shockingly good in the case of Tamatonga. Uh, Cobb wins with the Tour of the Islands, which is his spinning body slam, in 12 minutes and 43 seconds. What did you think about this one, man? Yeah, I agree with you. Tamatonga's having a hell of a tournament. He's actually surprised me every match that he's had. He's been very competent as a wrestler. It's been he's been good. And Jeff Cobb is Jeff Cobb. I absolutely love him. Um, but this is a you know surprisingly very fun, entertaining match. Absolutely, yeah, really, really good. Cobb's having a strong tournament. I would go as high as three and three quarter climaxes on this one. 75%. It's a B plus. Very, very good wrestling match. Yeah. Next up, not a good wrestling match. Evil versus Chase Owens. Coming into this match, Evil was in third place and needed the win to keep pace with Cobb and uh, Kazuchika Okada. On paper, probably one of the worst matches in the tourney, and it was probably one of the worst matches on the tourney. Evil pins Chase with everything is evil. 12 minutes and 38 seconds. Below average, we're going to give it two climaxes out of five. Yeah, I agree. This match hadn't gave me nothing. It was This match, honestly, it surprised me that it was only 12 minutes now that I hear the time. Because it honestly felt like a 20-minute snoozer. Exactly, yeah. Easy evil matches, man. They're, they're pretty samey. So next up, we had we had an interesting match: Yoshi, Yoshihashi versus Tai Chi. So Tai Chi was actually at this moment tied in that third place pack, so he needed the win really bad. Yo, right there, big homie. But yeah, so <laughs> Tai. Hold tai on, Chi oh, the hold win. on, no, hold on, hold on. So yeah, coming into this match, Tai Chi in the third place group. He needed to win to uh, stay alive, keep his keep his uh, place anyway. But like, yeah, it's Tai Chi. We all know how this is going down. So it goes down right here as Yoshihashi gets his first win in this year's G1, pinning Tai Chi with karma in a pretty excruciating 22 minutes and 22, 26 seconds. See, so yeah, Yoshihashi beats Taichi 22 minutes, Boris. Yeah, see, this match is the epitome of why sometimes I do not like Japanese wrestling and JPW to be exact. Why was this 22 minutes? Yeah, it's the story of the G1. It's the, it's the grade one climax. It's everyone giving their best effort, the best wrestlers doing the best matches. I understand the theory, but sometimes you get a 22-minute Yoshihachi versus Tai Chi match, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is, but it's just like the unfortunate thing because, you know, this is the rep that they're getting, right? Like, you know, 
when on, on on message boards and whatnot, it's like okay, I can skip every match up until the main event, you know, um, and the main event is going to be a forty minute match. I just need to watch the last five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's it's not that that's what they educate their audience to do, but that's kind of in a roundabout way what they are educating their audience to do. It's it's what their audience is taking away from their shows anyway, in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, but yeah. So I would say this was. I would say this was an average wrestling match. We're going to Mendoza line this one. Two and a half climaxes out of five. Next up, a very, very good match again. Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroki Goto. Coming into this match, Okada is 3-0 and and Goto is 0-3. So there's maybe an outside chance that Goto's going to steal it to try to save his tournament. But alas, that's not what happens as Okada actually pins Goto with a sunset flip in 18 minutes and 6 seconds. Yeah, that that's the thing, right? Like we were talking about this. Like, they're, I think they're doing something with Goto here. There's a reason why he's 0-4 right now. So I'm kind of interested to see where they go with this, and I'll be shocked if nothing happens. Yeah, I would be disappointed more than shocked. I don't think I'd be shocked, but I would be, certainly be disappointed. They have the chain. Well, Goto's been spinning his tires for a decade, man. Like, they have to do something with him eventually. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, coming up next, we had the main event of night eight. It was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Sonata. Both of these guys were in that third place pack. They both needed the win. The loser was all but eliminated from the G1. So it's basically here a loser leaves town match. This is a very good wrestling match. 25 minutes and 36 seconds. Tanahashi pins Sonata with the high fly flow. Uh, it's old Tanahashi versus Sonata. So though it was a main event, it's still Sonata still a little like there's something about him. He just he's very mechanical. He doesn't quite uh, elicit a passionate response from most fans. Yep, same here. Like, honestly, put him and Evil back together. That's the obvious solution here. I really think so, man. I really, They were a good pairing with each other. So we're going to go three and three quarters for this one, 75%, right around the level of the opener. If you had to pick a match on the show, match of the show on night eight, for sure, it was probably, well, I shouldn't say for sure, probably the main event. You could argue the opener. But yeah, I'm going to say the main event at three and three quarter star. Those, so we're going those, on. Those two matches were by far the best. Anyways, let's move on. Yes, sir. Going on to night nine, which was a weird show. Uh, four <laughs> G1 matches, two of them bad, two of them great. So let's get into the bad matches right away. We're going to go first. Great Ocon versus Kenta coming into the match. Ocon sat alone in second. He had eight points. But he did lose his previous match to Zack Sabre Jr. Kenta was in a tie for fourth, so he basically needed this uh man this was a lot of chicanery a ref bump baseball bat usage chair shots and of course boris your favorite the schoolboy roll up yeah i had zero time for this match and i gotta say i am over kent at this point Oh, I still, I still have time for Kenta. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty over like the Bullet Club style weapon interference match. It's totally fine for you to say that. I don't think that's unfair, but I personally still have some time for Kenta. But yeah, this match was terrible. 19 minutes and 50 seconds, he wins with a schoolboy roll up. Below average wrestling match. We're gonna go two uh, climaxes out of five for this one. Next up, we had Tangaloa 
versus Yujiro. You know what I mean? Like, it was, they worked really hard in their 12-minute match. It was a halfway decent match overall. Not a bad effort. Not something you ever need to say, seek out. Uh, Tangaloa pins Yujiro with the ape shit, which is the old Rikishi driver. It's the fire thunder pile driver, like the sit-out pile driver. Yep, this match was, it was what it was. Yeah, uh, pretty much the definition of an average wrestling match. Mendoza line, two and a half climaxes out of five. Next up, we had two bangers. So first up, this is the thing that we were most looking forward to all week. Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. Hook it to my veins, brother. This match was amazing. This match was absolutely phenomenal. Ishii is by far, like... Is it even un is he underrated when everyone loves this guy, but the company He's, doesn't push this guy? That's so funny. Under underrated somehow, yes, because he can't get the push that everyone has been begging for. But yeah, man, a, a super rewarding match because the story of how to beat Zack Saber Jr. is you got to take the fight to him. You have to hit him hard and hit him fast because if he slows down the pace and he gets you on the ground. He's like an anaconda. He's a boa constrictor. He's just going to swallow you whole. But Ishii doesn't give up. He doesn't feel pain. He doesn't feel feelings. He's the stone pit bull. So this was a, a perfect stylistic matchup. Ishii wins clean, pins Zack Sabre Jr. with a brain buster in 18 minutes and 40 seconds. I guess it was obvious in retrospect that, that uh, this was going to be the result, but I did not see it coming. Yeah, same here. I had... I was shocked, but I was so sports entertained that I just let it happen. Highly sports entertained. No lower than four climaxes out of five. That's where I'm putting it. Four, uh, 80%, A minus, still a great match, recommended match. The next match, Boris, I thought was even better. I thought it was a, a slight notch above. We're going to the main event of night nine. Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi. Uh, coming into the match, Kota is 3-2 and two at 6 points. Shingo is 3-1 and one at 6 points. Both men have already lost to the leader, Zack Sabre Jr. So it's pretty important. And it's not quite a loser-leaves-town match, but it's, it's a safe bet that the loser of this match will not be winning the block. Yeah, exactly. But this match was so fun. Um, yeah. Like, it was such a good match. It was well done, well booked. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Exactly. Every bit of everything that you'd ever want or need or expect from these two guys. And despite our vast amount of love for Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, and Ishii around here, I think this was match of the night. One of the best of the tourney so far. Abushi pins Shingo with the Kamagoye in 23 minutes and 57 seconds. So Koja Ibushi is skyrocketing back up the G1 standings. Uh, we're going four and a quarter for this one. 85%. It's a safe A, and it's the best match that we're talking about tonight on BAM. Yep, 100%. Awesome. Let's keep the train going, man. G1 Climax, night 10, October 4th. 2021 we start with boris the biggest upset in g1 history question mark one of the biggest for one sure of the buddy biggest. one of the biggest 
I'm not a G1 student. I'd have to go up and down through every card to tell you what the biggest one is. But this was the biggest one I can remember off the top of my head. Chase Owens pins Hiroshi Tanahashi clean in the middle of the ring with a package pile driver in 10 minutes and 58 seconds. I love this match, man. I actually am looking at this number and I think I underrated it. The The story was that Chase Owens is trying to use all the tricks that Jay White has used in his previous matches. He's trying to use all these things that he's seen people beat Tanahashi with, but he can't quite do it. But Tanahashi is old and he's stumbling. So Chase Owens just drills him with a package pile driver and fucking wins. And he, yeah. he does it. He pulls it out, man. This was crazy. I like... I had, no, I'm going to lie if I said I saw this outcome. I did not see this coming whatsoever. And I got to say, Chase Owens has impressed me quite a bit this tournament. He hasn't had all bangers, but like his match with Tamatonga was great. And this match particularly was just really well done. Absolutely. Like, yeah, good on Tanahashi for pulling this match out of Owens. But at the same time, Chase Owens is, is having a really good tournament for sure. I 100% agree with you, buddy. So yeah, I I wrote three and a half uh, climaxes out of five. It's a seventy percent. It's a B, and I think I might have underrated it. I think it's at least B plus, maybe even more. But that's what I wrote on the page on the day, so that's what we'll stick with. Next up, we had a bad wrestling match out of Evil yet again. Evil versus Tomatonga. Evil is tied with Tanahashi at third in the group coming into the day, except Tanahashi just lost. So this is a chance for Evil to move up, which he does in a terrible match that includes the lights going out, uh, you know, ref bumps, and just numerous other examples of needless horse shit. Yeah, like this match is the epitome of I am over it. Here's the thing. I can watch a bunch of Bullet Club BS and Evil BS and whatever BS. But here's where I draw the line. When you're watching the G1 and you're seeing these guys wrestle every other night, it's just way too much. Yeah, exactly. It really stands out how often they do it when you see him wrestle nine times and they do it nine times. You know what I mean? Like, it's really his only move. It's like Seth Rogen rolling the dice on the dance floor. Uh, it's really his only move, you know? Anyway, below average match, evil pins Tomatonga with everything is evil, which is the STO in 13 minutes and 47 seconds. Two climaxes out of five. Bad match. Don't watch it. Yep, pretty much. Next up, we had... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, not good. Next up, we had Tai Chi versus Jeff Cobb. I heard people kind of losing it over this one. A lot of people liked it. I thought it was, uh, I actually thought it was one of Cobb's weaker matches of the tournament. Uh, tai Chi's still having a good tournament, but I just, I didn't, I didn't quite love it. It didn't quite click with me the way it did with others. But uh, Jeff Cobb wins this one with the Tour of the Islands in 15 minutes and 15 seconds. Jeff Cobb still undefeated at this moment. And, uh, yeah, he's 5-0, and 10 points. Yeah, this match what it was. I got to be honest, I was dozing in and out of sleep when I was watching this because I, I tend to watch these shows live uh, when possible. So, yeah, I was dozing in and out. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best to me. This match, coming up next, I might be the minority in this opinion. I think this was match of the night on night 10. Hiroki Goto versus Yoshihashi. Uh, Goto 
zero points, 0 and 4. Yoshihashi, two points, 1 and 3. These guys are stable mates and they're fighting for pride, but neither one of them wants to lose this. Yoshihashi is fresh off his first win and he wants to keep the momentum going. Goto calls himself Mr. G1 and he's 0 and 4, so he's embarrassed. So these guys beat the shit out of each other in a really, really strong, awesome match. One of the sneaky matches of the tournament. It won't make my top 10 list, but it was a ton of fun. Goto pins Yoshihashi with his GTR, which is like the inverted face lock backbreaker lariat thingy, the like eye of the hurricane backbreaker thing. 16 minutes and 57 seconds. I thought this was three three and three quarter star, three and three quarter IMAX B plus, Boris. I thought this was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I, I'm, I was shocked overall with this one just because I really thought that Goto was going to go 0 4. Yeah, that would have been very interesting if Goto just completely lost every match in the G1. But yeah, it was a win that he desperately needed, and he got. All right, so the main event of Night 10. People have been loving this match. Dave Meltzer actually on uh, the October 7th episode of Wrestling Observer Radio said this match was one of the best of the tournament. I disagree. I wouldn't put this match in my top 10. But we're talking about Kazuchika Okada versus Sonata, the main event of Night 10. To me, it was every Sonata versus Okada match I've ever seen. A very good but mechanical first 20 minutes. A very, very hot stretch. But it was, the hot stretch wasn't quite enough for me to call this a great match overall. So while... I think it was very, very well performed. I couldn't call it great. So we're going to go three and three quarter star for this one. The outcome was never in doubt for a second. And that outcome was Okada pins Sonata with the Rainmaker. 29 minutes and 14 seconds, Boris, right up against the wire. Yep, that's a thing. Um, this match for me was every Sonata-Okada match before. It, 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 I, it was good. Let me not, you know... Not not take anything away from the match, but it wasn't this outstanding match that uh, people were talking about. Exactly right, man. I was just a little shocked. Maybe it was my own expectations were too high because I did hear like, oh, watch this Okada Sonata match. Like, go out of your way. Like, that was a really great one. And I didn't see a really great match. I just saw every time that they've ever had a match together, which is still very, very good. But I just, yeah, it just didn't uh, pop in that way to me. But that was night 10. So coming up next, we had this morning's show, G1 Climax Night 11 from October 7th, 2021. Started off with Kota Ibushi versus Tangaloa. Kota Ibushi just casually walks in there and has the best match of Tangaloa's entire career. Yep, pretty much. (laughs) Safe safe to say, I think, in my opinion. Kota wins with the Kamagoye 13 minutes 42 seconds and Kota Ibushi is cranking he is the first to 10 points in his block and at this moment he passed Zack Sabre Jr. just in terms of total points and he was number one in the group so we're gonna go three and a half climaxes out of five on that one 70 percent it is a B Next up, Boris, we had Zack Sabre Jr. He has to answer going up against Yujiro Takahashi. I was worried for a second, man. The finishing stretch of this, really by far the only good part of this match. But they really sold that uh, the Tokyo pimps had a chance here. Yep, yep. Um, I didn't like this match so much. You know, it's funny. I agree with you, buddy. I have written down here in my notes, worst Sabre match in the tourney so far. 
but still watchable. It yeah. felt like a fight, at least, you know? It did, like, it wasn't too long. Uh, Zack Sabre wins by submission with the Tesco Meal Deal, which is a seated head scissors armbar triangle choke thing. It actually might be a Kimura, not an armbar. I don't know. It's it's a crazy submission yet again. He calls it the Tesco Meal Deal. Wins with that in 14 minutes and 15 seconds. Zack Sabre Jr. regains first overall in his group. 10 points, just like Kota Ibushi, but he has the tiebreaker because he beat Kota one-on-one. Yep. Next up, we had Toru Yanu versus Shingo Takagi. This was absolutely everything it should have been. Uh, Shingo decisively beats the shit out of Yano, pins him clean with his uh, move, Last of the Dragon. I actually forgot to write down the time on this one. I'll go back and edit that in. But yeah, it was uh, a devastation. It was like four minutes. Yeah. I'm glad that, you know, they're keeping Shingo strong on this one. Yano couldn't pull his normal bullshit. I was I was happy with this match. I 100% agree. I was I was kind of worried that it was going to go long, but yeah, they they kept it short and sweet. And Yano actually held his own. He hit a really nice suplex in this thing. But yeah, it was mostly Shingo dodging uh, Yano's bullshit and winning clean and decisively. So we're going to go three climaxes out of five for this one. Slightly above average. I enjoyed it. 60%. It's a C. Next up, our final match of the evening. Boris, we did it. It's the main event of night 11. Tomohiro Ishii versus the great Okan. Coming into the match, Ishii sat alone at seventh place, but it looks like he's heating up. He's climbing up those those leaderboards slowly. Great Okan's going in the opposite direction. After starting 4-0, he's lost his last two. And that continues, Boris, as Tomohiro Ishii pins the great Okan with a brain buster in 26 minutes and 26 seconds. And hey, you know what? Okan's having a good tourney here sneakily. Yep, agreed. Yeah, so this was a hard-hitting, mean guy wrestling match. To quote the great Vinny V. Vincent Verhai. Yeah, I could really do without headbutts in New Japan again, though, man. Like, uh, post-Shibata retirement, I never want to see another shoot headbutt in a New Japan match. Like, what are you guys doing? Yep, agreed. Like, yeah, that was that was a little rough to watch. Sometimes, I don't know. I agree with you overall. Yeah, just, yeah. I get, I get, like, I get why headbutts are done in wrestling, and they're not going full out like Shibata used to, but they're still gross and completely unnecessary. Really stupid to do. Please stop doing headbutts. Having said that, extremely watchable, very good wrestling match. Three and three quarter climaxes out of five, 75%. B plus. So, Boris, first up, let's go with the current standings. In block A, number one, Zack Sabre Jr., he's at 10 points and he's five and one. Number two, Kota Ibushi, 10 points and he's five and two, but Sabre is ahead of him by way of the head to head victory. Number three, Shingo Tagagi, eight points, four and two. Number four, Kenta, eight points, four and two. Kenta is below Shingo because Shingo beat Kenta head to head. And uh, number five, Ishii at eight points, four and three, who's ahead of the great Okan, who's also four and three because of his head-to-head victory. So I think those are the people who have uh, still somewhat of a chance to win the block. Sabre Jr., Kota, Shingo, Kenta, and Tomohiro Ishii. At this moment, who do you think is coming out of block A, buddy? Still Zack. It's still Zack. 
I still like the Zach attack. Eh? I kind of like where your head's at. It's kind of seeming more and more like it might be Zach Sabre Jr. And this then is Block his, B. This is his tournament. This is his moment to shine. Like every week, every Thursday, when we talk about these matches on BAM, on this show, you know, he's been the highlight. 100% agree with you, man. I hope he wins. I He's my favorite in the tournament, but uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen, but I really hope it does. Block B, basically the standings are Jeff Cobb, uh, 10 points, 5-0. Okada, 10 points, 5-0. Those guys control their own destiny. They are likely to win out and face each other on the final night for the block. Um, also, Evil is in third place with one loss. He's 4-1. and one. So... Evil's a good shout to kind of steal it. If someone's going to steal it other than Cobb or Okada, it'll probably be evil. So let's all hope that doesn't happen. Yep. <laughs> all right, buddy. I think we did it, homie. I think so. <sighs> what a week. What a week this has been. Um, yeah. What else can we say? Um, nothing, man. I just I hope you're feeling better. I hope our internet has held up well throughout the episode. We'll be back in a uh, crystal clear audio with some uh, tech and some theme songs and intro and an outro next week. Uh, also, next week we're covering Fury versus Wilder. Three is Saturday, uh, yep. so we're, we're gonna watch that for sure. We'll talk yep. about that. The the NHL starts, so we'll talk about that. And there are five G1 shows between this episode and our next recording. So we're going to watch them all. Yep. Starting tomorrow morning. I'm gonna, Hopefully I can uh, go to bed early and wake up for that one. Because I'm actually off until Tuesday at this point. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, another thing. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all of our listeners in the great white north Uh you know, hopefully you and yours can get together, or if not, you can still celebrate, you know, uh, get a nice meal into you and a nice cozy autumn nap, like I said, Boris. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we can call it there, homie. Thank you very much to everyone who listened and stuck this out, and we'll be back next week. And, man, I hope you're feeling better, buddy. All right. Thank you so much. He's Matt. I'm Boris. This is Bam. Goodbye. <laughs>